Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. The Mandalorian is back for season three, and I've got my thoughts on the first couple of episodes right now. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try right now at betterhelp.com Merle, and stay tuned after this review for more info. Hello, everybody. I'm Dan Merle here with my review of The Mandalorian Season 3. And I actually just realized as I was sitting down and focusing myself up that I'm wearing a Star Trek shirt today. Uh, th that is not a statement or a declaration of war. This is literally just not coordinating my wardrobe with the video that I'm doing on any given day. So uh, please don't take this as any kind of a, a subtle uh, dig at the show that I'm reviewing today. It just happens that I have a few Star Trek shirts hanging up in my closet. So it's kind of an interesting situation reviewing this season because episodes weren't really sent out for review until two or three hours before the season premiere of the first episode of season three. So I just kind of said, well, okay, I'll watch it at midnight Pacific time when it drops. And then we got sent episode one and episode two for review consideration. So this video is going to be a little bit of a hybrid. I'm going to recap what we saw in episode one and go into a little more detail since it's already out. And then I'm going to give some general thoughts on episode two and what I think of the season so far without any kind of spoilers. But let's talk about, first of all, this first episode that came out. It was chapter 17 of The Mandalorian. It was called The Apostate. And quick note, if you haven't seen the episodes of The Book of Boba Fett that cover what happened after season two of The Mandalorian, then you need to go watch those right now. I think it's episodes five, six, and seven because they resolve everything that happened at the end of the second season. And I was shocked to see that they had one of those recaps, those kind of previously on things before this episode, but it didn't cover any of the stuff with Luke Skywalker and Grogu and all of that big stuff at the end of season two. It wasn't even in the In Case You Missed It part. So I'm sure that there are a lot of people, probably, who skipped the book of Boba Fett and were thinking that this season premiere was like some kind of a flashback or something because Grogu and the Mandalorian are right back there together as if nothing ever happened. That is still one of the weirdest narrative choices for me that I can think of where you have a major season-ending storyline in a series that is resolved inside the storyline of a different series. And what makes it an even weirder choice narratively is I thought that this premiere episode 
covered very little ground as far as storytelling goes. We open on this sort of new trainee initiation and this crocodile monster attacks and Din comes in with the spaceship and goes in. And then we basically just get a repetition of information that we already know. Like, I'm not exactly sure why he went to go see the armorer again because I think she basically just told him stuff that she already told him before back in Book of Boba Fett. I guess they thought they had to replicate that scene. But basically because he took his helmet off, he's been disgraced and he has to go to Mandalore and bathe in the waters in order to redeem himself. If I visit the planet and I can bring you proof that I have bathed in the living waters beneath the mines of Mandalore, then by creed, the decree of exile will be lifted and I would be redeemed. We also take a bit of a side trip to Navarro, but I am never going to argue with Carl Weathers in anything. So we get a little bit more of Grief Karga and Carl Weathers. And was anybody else really conflicted about the little tiny droids whose only job it was to carry the bottom of Grief Karga's cape? Because on one hand, that is like objectively cute and cool, but on the other hand, I'm still not really sure where this universe lands as far as droids go, because they seem to show some emotional intelligence and some self-awareness, and yet they're used pretty much as property and just to do, like, dirty work or do the work that nobody wants to do. And this really was a very specialized function for a droid. Like, somebody programmed droids that specifically keep capes from dragging on the ground. Not that they're not needed. I mean, we've seen some great capes in Star Wars. Krennic, Darth Vader, Grief Karga now. So you definitely need to keep those things from dragging on the ground. But yeah, like I was, it was very conflicted. This visit with Grief Karga also allowed the show to, uh, for lack of a better word, Poochie Cara Dune out of the show. If you don't know what that means, basically on The Simpsons, they had the Itchy and Scratchy show. And then they had this very ill-conceived character that came in called Poochie, who was like a rapping cool dog. And it didn't work at all. And they basically just like removed moved Poochie's animation cell out of one episode and it just said Poochie died on the way back to his home planet and that's how they wrote him out of the show. That's kind of what they did here with Cara Dune as well because it's basically just like, oh, Cara Dune, well, you know, she's, um, she's busy over there. She's gone. Don't worry about it. What about Marshall Dune? After she brought in Moff Gideon... She was recruited by special forces. The point of this trip was to underscore Star Wars' new motto, which is really that no one is really ever gone, because it looks like they're going to be bringing back IG-11, who sacrificed himself in order to save everybody, and, uh, you know, hey, let's do it again. So we get a bunch of Babu Fricks who send Mando on a fetch quest to get a memory circuit. What if I find you the part? Okay, now, then no problem. We pick. If you can get a new party, says he can fix it. And by the way, get ready for endless gifts of Grogu trying to hug the little Anzellan every time you post on Twitter that you're having a bad day because that's part of what this show really is. We also briefly meet a new character called the Pirate King Gorian Shard, which is objectively a great name, who's looking to cause some trouble over on Navarro, and there's a big space battle. He attacks Mando. The guy looks kind of like Swamp Thing. I got, a bit, I got a bit of a Swamp Thing, maybe a, a dash of Battlefield Earth vibe from this guy. But it looks like Pirate King Gorian Shard will definitely be back later this season. And if not, at least he was in the show long enough to give us the name Pirate King Gorian Shard. Pirate King Gorian Shard's name is familiar to all in this sector. And after all of these kind of various things that happen, we just end with this visit to Bo-Katan's base of operations. She's gone through a lot of character development off screen since last we saw her because she doesn't have the dark saber so all of her forces apparently left her and they're like yeah we're gonna go be mercenaries now because you don't wield the dark saber and you don't rule us anymore so she's just kind of kind of hanging having a little summer george 
kind of thing. Just hanging out with herself there. Mando says he's going to go to Mandalore, and she's like, well, you can't do that. Go home. There's nothing left. But, you know, if you do, well, here's where you should go. They're beneath the Civic Center in the city of Sundari. So, you know, that's a very helpful warning slash instruction about what to do. And then that's it. That's the end of the show. I mean, literally when the credits came up, I just kind of went, oh, that's the end of the episode. So I, I feel like they were in a weird position where because they had resolved all this stuff already, they didn't have quite enough to fill out one episode, but they also had too much that they wanted to do in the first couple of episodes to make it all into one episode. And so we were left with this kind of like, half thing and it's kind of surprising honestly that they didn't package the first two episodes together and so this is where i'm going to go out of specifically talking about what happened in episode one and kind of give general impressions on episode two and the one thing i will say on this second episode is it feels a lot more whole than this first episode did because it has a very specific focus you are in a place there are things happening that are all connected and tied together and it feels a lot more like the mandalorian show that we have have come to know and some of us love over the past couple of seasons. One thing so far, at least from the first two episodes of this eight episode season, is that they seem to be leaning a little bit more into the serialized storytelling. It's not so much about the self-contained episodes with the big overarching story. It's much more about this part of the story, which is going to lead directly into the next episode, which is going to lead directly into the next episode. It's a bit of a change up from what they've done in a lot of The Mandalorian. And another change that I've noticed is that it seems like they're not doing as much character-based stuff in these first couple episodes as I'm used to. I mean, it's always been a bit of an action show, but there's always been a pretty big undercurrent of character running through it. Through these first couple episodes, there's really not a whole lot for Mando to do or for Din to do. Uh, he's basically kind of an exposition machine. I need a droid I can trust to help me explore Mandalore. And he's that droid. I think he defaulted to his old programming. You think? I am going to Mandalore so that I may bathe in the living waters and be forgiven for my transgressions. And there's not a lot of actual character or, or really anything but plot for Mando to do. He's almost a plot device in and of himself. And Grogu is basically just there as, you know, Grogu. Like, it's hard to know what they're going to do with his character at this point because he's not really going to grow or talk. Although John Favreau says these first uh, couple seasons of Mandalorian took place over several years, which is news to me. And he's apparently not going to be a Jedi or really learn how to use the Force too much more. And part of me wonders, have they kind of written themselves into a corner with Grogu? Is he just going to be sort of the cute sidekick for however much longer the Mandalorian runs. Both of the characters so far kind of seem like they've become the archetypes of their characters rather than the characters they were in the first couple of seasons. It's like you see on sitcoms a lot where you have a character like, let's say, Steve Urkel uh, for the oldsters like me, who starts out as like, he's the nerdy neighbor kid next door. And then that just kind of keeps getting enhanced season by season so that by the time the show's over, they're not really playing the character that they started playing at the beginning of the show. They're playing like the the pop culture version of that character. And I feel like that's where we are a little bit with both Mando and Grogu through the first couple of episodes. It's not necessarily that I don't like their characterization. It's just a little bit different than I'm used to. 
I'm not really sure where we're headed this season, but that's also why I'm often hesitant to review a show week to week. There's another Pedro Pascal show, actually, The Last of Us, that people said, well, why aren't you reviewing it week to week? And a lot of it is that, you know, the, the, the analogy I make is it's like reviewing a book one chapter at a time. It's hard for me to say, well, I don't really know about this or know about that without really knowing where the story's going to go. Is this just a, a kind of a side expedition or does it tie into a central theme throughout the season. So I'm not gonna really make any major judgments on the season here, other than to say, I don't know what the through line, the main through line is really going to be at this point. I will say that I like a lot of what's done in this next episode. I think it's got a lot of atmosphere, a lot of suspense, some really cool creatures. Again, I think it's a lot closer to that classic Star Wars slash classic Mandalorian feel that a lot of people like. In a way, it's sort of the anti-Andor in many ways. At least this, these first couple of episodes have felt like that. It, it's what the classical type of Star Wars fan is going to enjoy. You've had a space battle, you have creatures, you have uh, callbacks to all these different characters in Star Wars history and all of these different aliens, etc., and droids and, and all of that stuff. I think it's what a lot of people missed from Andor who didn't quite get that Star Wars thing from Andor. Although I'm a guy who loved Andor. It was my favorite Star Wars series that they've done so far. Not that I dislike The Mandalorian, but I like that different flavor that we got in Andor. This is much more that classical George Lucas Disney Star Wars feel. I guess one of my biggest takeaways is that, for me, I think some of the specialness has kind of worn off of The Mandalorian in these first couple episodes. I think part of it may be that they took what I thought to be a pretty major step, what I thought would be kind of a game-changer step for the characters with Grogu going off with Luke at the end of the last season, and then even though it was in a different show, it's still part of this through line or this narrative. Uh, the fact that they just kind of, within one episode, went back to the status quo, it's almost like it never happened. And so... That's part of it for me is like when I see these story beats, I'm like, well, does it really matter? Because it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of consequence to some of the things that happen in the story, particularly things, big things even, that have preceded what we're watching right now. But it's still an enjoyable show. It's a good space adventure show, even if it's not quite as special or unique as it seemed when it first premiered. And I think the big question for me is, are they going to be able to harness that character stuff? that I love this season and take me back to who Din is and why he's on this quest. And yes, I love the adventure stuff and, and, and a lot of the stuff that we see in this second episode, but I also want to get a little bit more into him because those are the episodes that I've really liked. When we see his face, when we understand his pain, when we see him battling with himself and who he wants to be. And uh, I'm really hoping that as we get into this season, we're going to see a lot more of that because the space adventure stuff, they've already got that down pat. Thanks so much for watching this episode. And before we go, I would like to thank the sponsor for today's review, BetterHelp. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, and it's a really busy time of year for me. We've got the Oscars, award season travel, I'm planning a wedding, running the channel. Self-care is something that, quite honestly, I haven't really taken the time to do in the past, but that I've recently started making the time to do using BetterHelp. And they provide a wide range of therapists with specialties suited to what I want to address and improve about myself. Mental health is something that a lot of people just aren't comfortable talking about publicly, but it's incredibly important, and not just for people that are going through a difficult or a traumatic time. I found that everyday stress can really add up, trust me, 
And it's been really useful for me these last few weeks to talk about some of that with a mental health professional. BetterHelp is entirely online, it's flexible to your schedule, and it's convenient. You'll fill out a brief questionnaire, be matched with a licensed therapist, and if you want to switch therapists, you can do so at any time free of charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com Merle to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Merle. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring, and thank you for watching. I'll be back very soon with a review of Creed 3. I'm also going to be talking about some Oscar stuff and a whole lot more right here on the channel. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.